Hi, this is Father Andrew, and this is the All Souls Catechesis podcast. This year, our theme is Signs of Life, Reflections on Hope. And we're going to be hearing from members of our community all year about where they found hope in the last year. Um, this episode, unlike our very first episode, you heard some intro music. That was actually the song Signs of Life from All Souls' own Kelly Reed, who uh, performs as I.E. Kokoro. I'd encourage you all, I think I'm going to find a way to get the link in the show notes. She put together a really delightful um, video to go with the song where she collected people's own sort of where they were finding life back in sort of March or April, maybe even May, but early on in the pandemic. And so it's this wonderful video of all these shots of like puppies running around and kids playing in puddles. And it's, it's delightful. Anyways, go find that. Uh, today, though, we have with us Micah Clark. Uh, Micah, why don't you introduce us, tell us something about yourself that, I don't know, revealed a, a deep secret that we can all get to know you better. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, giving me an opportunity just to, to lead with something strong. Right. Start off. Um, start off big. <laughs> uh, yeah, as, uh, as you said, uh, I'm Micah, I've been coming to All Souls for a little over five years. Um, as, uh, as Mark often reminds me, we both started coming to All Souls on... Um, uh, was it Kingdom Sunday, Kingdom One, or uh... Christ the King? Was it? Christ, yeah, there you go. Such, a, and it really clearly left an impression. Right, it um, certainly did. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, similar to to what Matt had mentioned last week, and just uh, you know that that kind of the first Sunday, just really you know clinching clinching that like all right, it's over. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing any more of the church shopping and the you know the the long, long list of, of churches that you could go to in, in Wheaton, Illinois. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, Mark and I were, uh, you know, he's, he's my, my roommate now. We were, you know, just uh, you know, getting acquainted at the time, both at the kind of the start with a couple other friends trying to figure out what church we're going to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the first one that we just happened to visit. And, you know, the, the catechesis is on Walter Hilton um, going through that series on English spirituality, um, and, uh, just, uh, it was not really the, the content of what was being said, but the, the vibrancy of engagement from everyone there, um, that, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just this one person, you giving out these, you know, very, you know, really in-depth knowledge of, um, of this, you know, relatively obscure figure. Um, it was that everyone, everyone was right there with him. Um, yeah. you know, and everyone is engaging and asking you some really intelligent questions and you, you do get the feeling that you're in a, you know, a community and in a place that's, uh, that's really special. So, um, and I've, I, this is now, it's funny. I was thinking about this yesterday. I think it's the longest I've ever gone to one church now, Wow. um, which is weird, but my, my dad was a, a minister of music and he, he went, he took us and worked at a lot of different churches. Uh-huh. Um, and I think maybe five years was the, was the longest ever. And so, or maybe just under five years. So now that I'm you know, over that with, uh, with all souls is the longest ever been part of one church, which is, uh, I guess should be a milestone, but it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel like that long. We'll, we'll, we'll celebrate somehow, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. This is the celebration. <laughs> there we go. Um, great. Well, Michael, where is it? Tell us where you've been finding hope this year. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, intrigued by the question, hmm. um, because, uh, and I don't know if any of my answers are, are really satisfactory, which is, uh, maybe that's, that's what hope is. It is very, 
you know, illusory. And um, yeah. as Re- Reverend Warren said, and kind of the prompt for the podcast, it's hope is borrowed grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think you, it's, it's a couple different things. It's the, it's the Holy spirit mm-hmm. um, bringing hope. Um, and it's uh, it's that's it's truth that, that brings hope. Um, and expanding on what I mean by that, uh, you, you were, we're, we're doing this via zoom and you were here. You, we can, we can see each other. So you can see I'm sitting in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really nowhere else to be. Um, that is, uh, I, I've, you know, a decently sized, high sized house to quarantine in, which has been nice. Um, and I've had a very easy quarantine compared to most people. Um, but my bedroom is also like my creative space is also my office is also just everything. If I want yeah. any kind of privacy, um, you know, I can go out there, but you know, I was on a call earlier today and a siren, you know, ambulance goes by and siren goes off and the dog is just howling his ear off and <laughs> I had to like stop the call. So this is like the one place I'm like, okay, all yeah. right, I can come and be here, but it's all in the same place. And it's just, uh, just um, kind of the slurry of work, home, fun, hmm. play. That's all in one spot. And um, slurry, that's a good word. Yeah, 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 yeah. Write, write that down for your your SAT list. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it's really just this. I say that because it's this. It's a sense of place that I think keeps occurring to me that is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this in this moment of what feels so hopeless we're all kind of torn out of the places that we want to be in physically. Mm-hmm. And one of those places is our church. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really miss sitting in the back of the church um, probably cause I got there late um, <laughs> and like sitting in the back. And then, you know, towards the end of the service is when all the kids come flooding in for communion. Yeah. And it's this amazing time where there's so many kids who sit near the back that you like, you can barely hear what's going on up near the front. Yeah. Um, because, and it just, you know, Jennifer comes up and she's giving the announcements and there's this din around me that I just love. Yeah. Um, or, you know, it's so small that you can, you can see your friends across the way and you can hmm. point and wave at the piece before going up and talking to them, you know, during mm-hmm. the coffee time. And, um, you know, we, we get to have that, that play, that space that we all are inhabit together and now we don't have that, and and we're kind of you know spread out from that, and that's um that's why I think you the Holy Spirit is is such a such a you know, a source of hope mm-hmm. for me that we all have that we're still we still have this common bond, yeah. Even though we're not all in our our, our corporate place, which has um you know just just this this thing of restfulness that uh, um I feel like I haven't had for almost a year now yeah um in that you know i i can't i don't want to rest in this place because this is my office yeah um and i don't have this sense of rest and i can't get out to the coffee shop or get out to the library yeah or have you know the the hour or two hours on sunday morning to go and and find that resting place in the presence of the lord and so it's just this trusting in the truth that Mm -hmm. you know the resting yeah this you know you he is always with me um, yeah. you know, wherever I go and that, that promise. Um, uh, so I think that that's been, that's been very meaningful and I'm sure a lot of other people have found that as well, that, um, you know, the, the zoom, the zoom things are tiresome. The, you know, these types of meetings are, are not quite what we want, but they're still not completely bereft of, of hope. Right. Um, 
Yeah, it's like you're not you're not being yeah. like you know emptied out. There's still this is still real, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's it's. Uh, I remember thinking about this a lot early on. Um, there was always this sort of false promise of like working from home and we can connect to people online and like this before the quarantine there felt like just over the horizon there was this perfect world where we didn't have to go into offices and see people we can connect to people digitally and it's great and there's video calling and it's sort of i imagine i always imagine it like um this never happened to me as a kid but like the kid who who smokes a cigarette and his dad catches him and he's like all right you're gonna smoke the whole pack <laughs> you can smoke every cigarette and like you're gonna you're gonna try this you're gonna smoke this is what you wanted smoke. isn't it yeah. You want it. yeah and i feel like we've all been asked to smoke the entire pack of of zoom and now <laughs> that's a great illustration I, like this, that. I think i thought about it a lot early in quarantine i haven't thought about it recently maybe because it was summer for a while and we actually got to see people but yeah, yeah. it's uh the the empty promises of of digitally connecting with friends um we're never to see a commercial where like there's like fun music in the background and people are seeing their family over a screen like finally you can connect your family over skype like skype's got to be dead in any sort of like advertising sense because like no one likes <laughs> no one's going to enjoy seeing how wonderful it is that they can connect with family over over screens anymore yeah yeah no no uh, definitely um, and the, the funny thing is the, you, it's just this little tiny virus that mm. has wreaked so much havoc. Um, and you, we don't know how fragile we are until something like this comes and, and just yeah. smacks literally the entire world yeah. and, and spreads it apart. And that, you know, we, we took for granted that we were going and we were, you know, worshiping corporately and that we mm -hmm. were, you know, you're bumping up against seven different people's shoulders on the way to communion. And yeah. it's no big deal right. where now, like even the thought of touching anybody is just, just anathema. Um, and you, you're, you don't, you forget how, how fragile it is. And so I, I keep, I keep thinking about, um, man, it was almost two years ago now when um, Notre Dame burned down, I think it was April. Wow. Um, in fact, I, maybe, maybe it was Easter week or it was Holy week when it burned down. Yeah. 2019. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, just this whole thing, just you coming historic building, you know, over mm -hmm. 800 years old and, um, going back and seeing news articles about it. It's like, wow, is there any, is there any more apt symbol for 2019 than Notre Dame burning mm -hmm. to the ground? Like, and I'm just thinking to myself, oh, just you wait, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just you wait. Um, but, uh, you know, much was said about, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, in a week they'd raised $1 billion, no exaggeration, $1 billion to rebuild yeah. it. And then, you know, it was very obvious just to point across the street. It's like, look, there's a homeless person sitting right there. Oh, that person didn't right. get a dime. Yeah. And yet, you know, here we're just, you know, to this symbol that means yeah. nothing to so many people right. was, was built up. Um, and um, it, it's really funny. I, I was reading today. I, I've been reading these fantasy books by Gene Wolfe. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I haven't. But now I'm going to write his name down. Yeah, he's, uh, he's kind of the, like a writer's writer. Okay. Where you, and people don't really know about him. But then when a, you know, you'll hear other writers talking about him. And uh, hmm. uh, he's actually spent a lot of his life in, in Illinois. And I think it was the day after Notre Dame burned down when he passed away. Um, in in Peoria where he lived okay and um, people thought that was really noteworthy because in a lot of his books 
um, they're, they're set in this sort of, you know, you, um, you know, neo medieval future, you know, hundreds of thousands of years into the future. Okay. Um, and he's kind of blending literary modernity with what feels like a D and D campaign. Okay. Um, blended with really deep Catholic theology. Yeah. And there's this one religious order, like, or at least some motif in his books where cathedrals are constantly being burned and rebuilt. Um, mm. And they're, they're always, it's always being torn down and put back together. Um, and it's just kind of a design of the religious practice, mm-hmm. which I thought is really interesting because that's in actuality what's actually happening with, you know, that's what's really happening with cathedrals all over the world. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the fire was caused because of construction. Mm-hmm. Every cathedral is always being like maintained and just the nature of how ridiculous the buildings are, right. that they're always being built and they're always being repaired. Um, which is, I mean, you know, the, the metaphor is just so obvious that, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the place of the Lord, you know, the, you know, the body of the indwelling of the spirit is constantly being built. And yeah. while, while we're in this side that, you know, there's this always constant, you know, being torn down and then being built back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we, uh, when, you know, I think you, you approached me about you working on the podcast, I, um, <laughs> I chose something so early, which was, you know, usually goes against what I typically do. I usually sign up for catechesis way at the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause it's so much easier. You just get all of this wisdom from other people. And then pretty much, I just like use a little bit from every single week. And that's, <laughs> that's my contribution. I don't really right. do anything original. Um, I just string together little bits and pieces. Um, but now I don't get to do that. So I was like, all right, you know, I've, I've been studying the book of Micah. It's so close. Nobody had signed up for January. So I feel like, yeah, I should, I should sign up for something earlier. Yeah. Um, so I put myself down for Micah and then I read the prompt like, oh, now I have to like fit the prompt yeah. into what I already <laughs> want to do. Um, but this, I, I feel like, you know, I, it's, I'm not making something up. I feel like this sense of a resting place is so important mm-hmm. in the book of Micah because here you have um, this professional prophet, uh, he has his job. He mm-hmm. comes from like a middle-class farming family and it is literally his job to, to prophesy. Yeah. Um, and here he is, the message that he's been told to give in a world where all the other prophets are just saying nice things and thinking they'll get away with it. Um, he's, he's, he's you know, committed to the truth. Yeah. And he and Isaiah, they're the reforming prophets. And Mike is coming out and he's saying like, look, if y'all keep doing what you're doing, which is oppressing the poor and like cult prostitution and you know, oppressing the poor so much that the middle class, my people, like they're becoming the poor. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, this, this sounds very familiar, doesn't it? This you know, yeah. extreme income inequality that's being created by the rich ruling class. And he's saying, if you don't, if you don't stop, like your land is literally going to be taken from you. Um, yeah. They will, they will come in and they will clear you, clear you out. Like no more promised land. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't just like a property rights issue. It's a, it's a theological concern. Right. This is the this is the promised land, and if the Assyrians come in and then the Babylonians come in and they take this from you, that like just completely upends you know, your conception of um, of spiritual life. Yeah, and and in that sense, you know, political and spiritual life, there's there's no difference. Right, um, and it just completely upsets it. So for them to have the temple taken away, for them to be driven out, like that's. Like God, God saying this, he must be really mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he must be just really upset. Um, but that's where you, that's where, you know, the other thing I'd said where, you know, the truth brings hope. 
that's where I think that ties in in that, um, you know, the, for if Micah was going to do what all the other prophets were doing and mm-hmm. just, you know, saying all of the good things um, and say, oh, it'll, it's fine because we have, you know, the, the, God is on our side. We yeah. have, we have grace here. Therefore, how could we, how could we possibly be saying the wrong thing? We can say whatever we want. Yeah. We've got God on our side. I was like, no, no, there's still truth here. And for Micah to be pointing that out, that in and of, in and of itself feels really hopeful to me. Hmm. I think the truth has a lot more hope than just saying everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, because uh, on the other judgment really is hope. Um, and one thing that a you know, commentator whose book I'm reading on Micah said, the thing you should really be afraid of is God's silence. And well, that's interesting when he comes, when he, when there's just total silence, you should be worried. Uh, but when, when someone is coming and pronouncing judgment and saying what's going to happen, you're really being given a, a warning. Um, yeah. You're given a chance to change. Well, it, it's a diagnosis, right? Like if you think about it in terms of health, um, a diagnosis points out something so that it might be healed. I mean, typically you go to a doctor, you find, okay, what's going on? Um, and they say, this is the thing. Um and this is how how it turns around. But but without that, without someone naming it, um, if it's a if it's truly a disease, mm-hmm. it will just continue to to re- destroy things. It will continue to wreak havoc. Um, that but that truth telling is the, in a sense, the pivot moment towards health. And it's never fun to hear, but it is that it's the turning point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there, there's no hope before you get there, but when you get there, it's it's incredibly painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it's it's putting you on that right path. Yeah. Um, and uh, you, I think the the other clear example, you know, obviously, you know, the Israelites, I, I, you know, the, the Israelites don't listen, so we we know what happens. Right. right. Like, you know, they they get overrun. Mm-hmm. Um, but before you in the book of Jonah, you can see he goes to the Ninevites and he gives them the judgment, the prophecy, mm-hmm. and they repent and they're spared. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of a you know just a breakdown moment where it says you know even even the animals were were falling to the ground like you know, in repentance. Yeah. Um, just you know the the language they use is so strong of what was happening to the city. It was this whole. The entire city like goes down on a lockdown of repentance, right? Um, and uh, then Jonah's really upset, but that's what that's what happens, and yeah. it really it puts them on that path to yeah. to you know, to rising up and your know, repentance, you know, coming to hope. Yeah, we just um, the the youth group was going through a, a series of interpreting different kinds of um, genres of, of biblical literature, and we did a, a series in the prophets last semester, and that idea of hope sort of always being present within the prophetic message was like a, a key part of what the, the curriculum was suggesting. And Jonah for me is this, ex- is such an interesting example because he never explicitly says God's coming to judge you, but if you turn, it'll be okay. He leaves no out, but it's the, it's the Assyrians that the Ninevites were like, well, that's coming, but, but maybe if we turn good, will happen. Like they, <laughs> they seem to already understand that perhaps there was hope on the other side, even though Jonah refuses to acknowledge it in a way that most of the other biblical prophets do. They, they do encourage repentance for, for restoration. I mean, they're, they're putting it in there. Um, 
that's it's interesting that that you find hope in Micah, even though they didn't actually turn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's there quite a lot. I mean, you know, first of all, you know, the warning is is hopeful. Yeah. Um, and I think you, people kind of debate on how it breaks down, but as as I understand it, it's just it's just a series of sermons that were mm-hmm. you know, kind of stitched together. Um, and it's not to say it's you know, thrown together. It's really, it's, you know, that's, I think it's why it's so hard to figure out, you know, what it, is this hope or is this judgment? Is this mm-hmm. the Oracle of, you know, like, yes, like, you know, restoration or is this right. the Oracle of getting torn down Yeah, because it's so you know, skillfully woven together. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, again, you know, it's, is it like, is it judgment or is it hope? It's both mm-hmm. um, similar in, in Isaiah. And I think that's been a lot of the readings over the past few weeks is the Isaiah 60 to 65 kind of that yeah, range. Yeah. And a lot of those passages about the Holy mountain. Um, I, to me, you know, it's the, the oracles of judgment can be just as hopeful, even though the language is just unbelievably strong. Yeah. Um, you get this, uh, um, these really scathing verses like chapter two, verse 11, if a man should go about and utter wind and lies saying, I will preach to you of wine and strong drink. He would be the preacher for this people. Um, wow. which is, yeah, it's like, ouch, ouch. And, um, the verse right before that, sorry, I should have started in 10 says arise and go for this is no place to rest. Uh, remember resting place like this is not this is no place to rest because of uncleanness that destroys with a grievous destruction coming in and saying like jerusalem the holy city um your beloved temple um you you were the you the the resting place of god and you the the holy of holies like this is a place of uncleanness get out of here um your your preaching is is for wine and strong drink then to suddenly turn on a dime and right after that to say, you know, two, two, 12 and 11 to go into this just beautiful language. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate, going out by it. Their king passes on before them, the Lord at their head. Uh, and kind of all that, uh, you not just, not just you know, shepherding imagery, but militaristic you know, mm-hmm. imagery um, of a you know, shepherd king um, coming in, just you know, brings like, oh, not just, not just hope, but exactly how the hope yeah. is going to come about. Yeah. Here, like I, I, and I think that's pretty common. Maybe, maybe this is something you found in the, you know, your work with the youth group. Mm-hmm. It's not just you. Know, it's not just hope, but it's how you're going to get there. And let yeah. me show you exactly how I'm going to bring about the restoration mm-hmm. after after this judgment. Yeah, it's a little bit more than just like, hey, someday things will be okay. <laughs> at, at various times when people ask how I'm doing, if I'm not doing well, the answer is like, well, eschatologically, everything's looking fine. <laughs> um, and it's right. But, but that's a, a hope that's entirely deferred. That's exclusively like, well, I just know the ending is good. And that's about all I can count on. Isn't a very sustaining hope. Uh, and the fact that there's something about the process, there's something about, yeah. Um, I really, even looking at that verse, the, the noisy 
people gathering together with the the sheep imagery is interesting to me. Like the group of men together are like they're noisy. Like not, <laughs> I don't know if the noise is meant to be something else, but thinking about a group of sheep just like this noisy collection, they'll that's what it'll be like. There'll be just so many of them together that they're just a noisy group. I don't know. That yeah, is it's a very it's a disparate you know remnant, and that everybody everybody's talking at once, and somehow yeah. it's all it's all going to be you know funneled together, and you yeah. know, they're all eventually they're all going to follow the same the voice of the shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really neat. Um, just to see that parallel, um, you know, I know you, you jump ahead to, to chapter four, which becomes that very, uh, you know, very, you know, Isaiah, you know, similar, similar imagery to the book of Isaiah talking about the mm-hmm. mountain of the Lord and Mount Zion. Okay. And I think it's, I think it's six and seven that are just very, very similar to the Oracle in chapter two. In that day declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted, uh, and the lame I will make the remnant, and those who were cast off a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. And he's bringing them into that that mountain, You're not just in chapter two, but now bringing them into the mountain of the mm-hmm. Lord. Um, and that, uh, you know, that kind of ultimate resting place that comes yeah. together, you know, extending, because it, you know, it, it extends so much far, farther beyond just the restoration of you know, this little scrap of land in your city and your temple. Right. It's, right. it's much more than that at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that resting place, cause the land, the land has so many functions for that. Like it's a promised land, but you think about all those promises about like, you're going to get to plant and keep your crops. You're going to get to no longer. Are you going to do this stuff? It's, it's mm-hmm. the, that like, I don't know, peaceful imagery of people who can hang out <laughs> my mind because I'm me jumps to the beginning of the movie rogue one when when the the scientist is sitting there farming and he's just getting to be in his land and he's at peace and he has his family and it's that like right like that pastoral setting that he then gets kidnapped from spoiler from two minutes into rogue one yeah Um, (laughs) but the but being in the land and being restored to the land there was a, a that political um theological reality but there's also just the like very lived in reality of like you get to just be and work and enjoy your work and and um i think there's something beautiful about that picture that is so encouraging as mm-hmm. a as a picture of a thing that god wants as part of the restoration mm-hmm. um yeah yeah coming yeah. into the, the holy mountain yeah um and that that peace and that's the that's the you know, the ultimate hope of the um you know the the kingdom of god that's you know eternal yeah um and you know there will be you know the the house of God that will never be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's really powerful. And when, you know, a week ago, when uh, you know, today, today's Wednesday. And so yeah. it was one week ago today when um, you know, white supremacists just stormed into our Capitol building mm-hmm. and uh, they, you know, holding a Confederate flag and some of them just go and they sit right down at uh, the, the, in the chair that is the president of the Senate's chair. Yeah. Um, and I even wonder, like, man, do they even, they don't even know where they are or what they're doing. They were just so like, you know, wide eyed. It's like, they didn't yeah. even expect to get that far. Right. And what were they even hoping? Like they were going to take over or something, but the, yeah. the sim, the symbol, symbol, the symbolism of it was just so, so violent and yeah. so powerful to see them sitting there. It was a, it was like a desecration. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were coming in and uh, just occupying that felt like 
well, when when Trump took office, I felt like we already lost. And this is just the logical endpoint that like, yeah, just yet another place is falling. Mm-hmm. And so yet another yet another hope hopelessness um, in place. Um, and there's a reason that they're they're domestic terrorists because mm-hmm. it's out of the same playbook as the terrorists, the 9-11 terrorists going and you know targeting the World Trade Center Tower was you know coming and hitting the center of economic life. Like we're gonna hit this and yeah. knock it down. And coming in and just you know, it's it's the, the exact same thing. Coming in, we're gonna come in and plant our flag and try to destroy whatever you were trying to do here. Yeah, there there's a thing, there's an intentional symbolism about about we wanna about the spaces, right? Because there is a, a space that you thought was for this one thing is now used for something else, um, mm-hmm. even without any sort of like sacramental depth in it. And of course, I'm very uncomfortable with like all the political sacred language about about uh the 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 capital um but um that idea that like stepping in and like we're gonna do something goofy in this spot it's the moment in um it's it's the moment in 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 harry potter when bellatrix is going through and like kicking everything around on the tables in hogwarts yeah i think right like there's an intentional move that that is made that has to do with this thing that was supposed to be a place for one thing, it's now something else. It was yes. supposed to be for this. It's now for a different purpose mm-hmm. um, that removes that restfulness. I mean, you think about people who have like a break-in in their home and they, and stuff is, re- even stuff is recovered, whether or not things are stolen, there is a sense of like, I, this, this place used to represent comfort and safety, but now I find that, it doesn't feel that way anymore because it's been subverted. Um, right. Yeah. Like this was, this was supposed to be, you know, arm of a government that is coming and do, doing something that is helpful to people and, you know, believing what it should be mm-hmm. and then seeing the people who are coming in and what they espouse yeah. um, is just very, very upsetting. Um, and I, th- I think we were talking about this a couple weeks ago with Calvin and Hobbes when uh, that, yes. that series of strips were, uh, yeah, they they go away to a wedding and then they come back and their house has been broken into. Yeah, and they can't sleep, and the yeah. dad is like, he he's staying up, saying like, I know like it's not this fear that I feel is not rational, but I just feel invaded. And he said, mm-hmm. a man's home is his castle, but it shouldn't have to be his fortress. Oh yeah, that's man. If you guys haven't read Calvin and Hobbes, there that is just the very best piece of literature that the 90s produced um <laughs> I, I will stand on it just the the kind of insights it's sort of like gleeful imagination until you get to those moments and bill waterson had just a an incredible capacity for just like naming really deep things out of nowhere and you're like and then you get back to like calvin ball or something <laughs> but yeah that that sense of place that sense of like we we wanted to to feel restful um, well, that's how symbols work as well. Like mm-hmm. you and I don't work in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. I've never been in the Capitol building. I don't know if yeah. I'll ever be in the Capitol. I've actually never done DC. Like I've never toured DC. Yeah. Like, which is a failure, but it's still, I mean, you know, I can understand what's going on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Like even, and that's in, in some ways, that's the potential deceptiveness of photojournalism and people can take pictures however they want in any number of situations. But sure. not that I don't believe any of the pictures from the Capitol were actually the Capitol. But the, what I mean to say is that even though we've never been to a place, 
symbols function in a particular way. Mm -hmm. um, symbols do a certain thing. And so whether or not it's your actual house, knowing that, knowing that members of Congress had to be put in their offices, um, knowing that there was like, there were people breaking through glass in a space that's supposed to represent something meaningful. Um, mm -hmm. And if it wasn't important, we wouldn't put so much time and effort into it. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of time and thought and energy that you know, goes into what those spaces look like. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, in scripture, you know, there's, there's whole books of the Bible that are outlining what exactly the tabernacle should look yeah. like, what exactly the temple, the dimensions of everything. And in our own space, you know, yeah. that, where we will pray and gather together again with the artwork and yeah. uh, how things are laid out. Um, is, you know, it's not just the group of people, but if it didn't mean anything, we wouldn't do it. Yeah. We wouldn't have those gorgeous murals, mm -hmm. um, but it does mean something. And it's, it's so much more than just, um, you know, a symbol. Yeah. Um, and I, we also just have to pause and like, if you're, if you're keeping score at home, we've now referenced like Gene Wolfe fantasy novels, Harry Potter, <laughs> Star Wars, and Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. So if there's any doubt, you know, that we're, huge nerds yeah um yeah your bingo we're, we're, card we're doing pretty is, well <laughs> um <laughs> i'm still yeah, i'm trying to think now like like if there's more we can cram in what other what things have we, what have we missed yeah we've 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 not delved into you know tolkien or lewis but we'll bring him in it we'll bring oh, them, yeah they'll yeah they'll get there bring the inklings yeah. in later yeah keep your bingo um, cards handy yeah and th this is actually what while we're paused a good plug for uh, taking advantage of whenever we have the the space open for for prayer and we're trying to figure out good times for mm -hmm. that but but the idea being like it's it's always interesting for me to walk into the space with someone um, who hasn't been there since February or March or whenever um, into our nave or something like that because I've been doing the services in there so for me it's incredibly commonplace but even uh, Joy was commenting at a clergy meeting just the other day, people who step in and the, and the smell hits you. Like there's church pew smell that's common yeah, like, to many oh, churches, but it's very present at our, yeah. <laughs> right? Like just whatever amount of incense we've used, which isn't that much has soaked into the pews and there's just a smell in the nave. Um, mm. Yeah, and what a, what a difference place makes, which even speaks to your, your bedroom and just the sense of it, it's all things right now. Mm -hmm. And right now our homes aren't, that they're doing too much work for what, for what they, they could be, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's a good, th that's a good way of putting it. Right. Like it's none of the things they're doing is bad, but we're in a season where like our, our homes are doing more than they need to. Um, I am currently, if you've done any zoom calls with me in, in, in quarantine, they, they likely will have happened in, my repurposed uh, under the stairs office, my little Harry Potter office. There's another bingo check card. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, I, I have to repurpose this and it works fine. And I, I've turned it into something, but it is like every square foot of your house has to be turned into something um, because the, because modern 21st century life necessitates stuff outside of the home mm -hmm. um, or it was, is sort of built with being outside of the home. Um yeah. Well, so there you there you are in, in what uh, yeah the, the Pepto Bismol colored closet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which is and it's it's something. It's it's what you have to do. Yeah. Um, the uh, the the hope that uh, that I think comes 
at the end of that, you know, just to go back to the mountain of the mm-hmm. Lord, um, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, storming the Capitol building and, you know, how symbolic that was. And then, you know, terrorists, you know, attacking the, the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. Um, what also came to mind was the um, Jesus clearing the temple. Hmm. Uh, and when he goes in and he goes in and he, he drives everyone out, all of the, the money changers and the lenders and people selling things. And it's just very, you know, this violent imagery of just clearing out and they all get out. And what he says is my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the hopefulness. And it's not that you all are doing this bad thing here in a holy place. It doesn't mm-hmm. just stop there. It's here's what it's going to be. My yeah. house is going to be a house of prayer and not, not just for, for the Israelites, not for the, just for the Jewish people, but for all nations. And it's kind of his recreation of what for them was the center of their religious and political and economic life. Mm-hmm. Like this guy came and did that to the temple. Um, and what he's quoting is, is so powerful. And it's, you know, pointing to the eternal hope. I think it's from, Isaiah seven, I went, um, or Isaiah 57 or something. Now, now I should have, I should have underlined it. I forget where it is, but I, fi- I finally went and read the whole verse yeah. and you know, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And it's about welcoming them. It's the same thing. Welcome them, yeah. them to the Holy mountain. Yeah. Um, and that place of eternal rest and the dominion of the shepherd King, um, that comes where he's going to recreate all. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that just, that just blows me away whenever I think about that, that he comes to, to recreate and take that, you know, really wonderful thing that we've twisted up and destroyed and he comes in and he recreates it for good. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, you know, in the thinking about place in some ways, the, the lawn in front of all souls, which was just a place that was for play has been now repurposed into a a space for worship and there's mm-hmm. a way in which mm-hmm. we're now in the season we're in it hasn't you know the church building hasn't been deconstructed but our, our ability to use it has been torn down and we're having to rebuild different uses for different spaces and um for me there's like a hope about god's persistence in using places that like now now god's repurposing that lawn and that lawn is where we hear god's word and and Mm -hmm. sing together and receive communion and and we don't get to have kids running in in a tiny space but you know in the last two weeks we've had kids build snowmen in the front lawn and (laughs) they and they are there right like there is still that the when i when i uh emailed a few people asking about the podcast i talked about um the the sort of flowers that have broken through the the pavement in the last year. And for me, that's one of those places is even if we can't use the place as we like it, there's still something kind of cracking through the, the pavement of God mm-hmm. using the places we still can use. Um, yeah. We haven't been there, but the house is still there and it's still a home. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll yeah. And we'll, we'll go home soon. Yeah. And we'll, We'll see the weeds on the, the front mm-hmm. lawn. We'll see, we'll see the flowers coming up through the cracks. <laughs> yeah, and there is that return to the temple, um, that, that post-exile language that's so prevalent in the, in the prophets and the return that I think um, that imagery strikes a lot in my mind just for mm-hmm. All Souls is both, I mean, metaphorically and physically, right? Like just that we need to, there will be a day when we can return together and um, 
you know, in, in Ezra, when they return to the, to the temple, those who had seen the temple before initially weep mm-hmm. at the temple foundation because they had seen the first temple. Um, and, wow. and, you know, Matt said last on our last podcast, talking about this death and resurrection cycle and something being yeah. on the other side. And the fact that, you know, Jesus's resurrected body still had his scars, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not as if uh, a sort of full wipeout reset Resurrection mm-hmm. is taking something and, and something new afterwards, but there is still something good on that other side. And I, yeah, I do think part of why I'm Anglican is because I believe that stuff matters and physicality matters and place really yes. matters. Um, yeah. And that, that building makes a, such a, as imperfect as it is, right? I mean, we were now a year ago at the annual meeting, we had presented there was a presentation of, of a potential addition to address the, frankly, the inadequacies of that space <laughs> that we all miss right now, right? Like, not, not <laughs> like just, I, I don't want to say this, it's, it's, this is, this is far stronger of an indictment than should be given, but it's like a tower of Babel moment right. where like a few <laughs> weeks after that, everything just fell to pieces. And like, that's, that's you all what, thought, yeah, your, your, yeah. your little building plan, that was just a house of cards. And now it's it was all gonna, it's all gonna collapse underneath. Yeah. yeah. So we, but, we thought we were so cool. We thought we were, yeah. And then we thought we were something. <laughs> and and all kinds of things crashed that plan. So yeah. who knows what what happens after that? That's that's not the, the point. But that idea of like the building's inadequate, right? Like there are ways yeah. you, you have to walk up a giant step to get into the space, and then you have to go up or down steps. The if you're in the nave, there's no bathroom access without steps. Kids right. are kids are climbing over each other in the nursery. Like there are real inadequacies to that building, but there are many things that are really beautiful about that building that, um, again, I look forward to having more people in. I I look forward to having that place again. Um, And maybe part of what has grown through the pavement is things like doing stuff on the lawn and, and, and creative uses of our place Mm -hmm. that have, that has given us a restfulness in other ways too. Um, I mean, the, the backyards we've met in and the, and the, um, you know, behind the church meetings we've had or meeting on the lawn or people, the number of people I encounter coming back from walks on the prairie path, you know, meeting Mm -hmm. at church and then walking there. There's a way in which, um, to, to borrow your language about the spirit still connecting us. There's a way in which I feel like in this last year, the spirit has given us, new places to be all souls and given us like extra places outside of that building to be together um Mm -hmm. even in limited ways but there's something about that that the spirit still actively works and unites us in you know backyard fires and things like that Um, right yeah there there, there's a lot of a lot of hope in that i mean you're you're going through the wilderness you still have you still have the tabernacle and you Mm -hmm. still have um that place and yeah, just just as 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 you and Matt were talking about, you know, death and resurrection, that cycle, um, they're not opposites; they're they're partners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the temple being rebuilt, being torn down and rebuilt is it's part of the cycle. Um, yeah. Death and death and life are not opposites. Judgment and hope are are, mm-hmm. are not opposites, which is why so much of the language in the prophets. You you that's why so many scholars think oh. This is this is from after the exile. It's that convincing, right? right. <laughs> um, you really have to check yourself. Like, no, this is not. This is from before. Yeah. It's just there's that much hope there. Yeah, 
Yeah, that is so interesting that like the the dating process for for biblical books is like, well, they couldn't have possibly predicted good things to happen later because <laughs> let alone with this level of specificity. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That that couldn't have possibly happened. I mean, unless the prophets actually received their 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 language from an omnipotent, all-knowing God who could see into the future. Yeah. Um, who can say? Who who can say? Who are we to, to say? But yeah, that that sense that like the the ongoing ever-present work of God through judgment and hope in places. Um mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's good stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a hope and a blessing to to learn the hard lessons. To to be the one to have your idols smashed yeah. is so much better better than to be left with them intact. Yeah. That'll preach. <laughs> It's yours. A, that'll I'll, I'll wow, use that in the future. Man, we, we should have saved that one for the Patreon subscribers. Oh, we should have. That that's good. right. Scrub that. We'll edit that out. We'll edit that out. No one yeah. if you subscribe to our Patreon. Can you? Yeah, can Kelly you will that? play some music over over what right. you just didn't hear just now. It was that good. <laughs> well, Micah, any other any other last closing thoughts here on on the the prophet Micah? Any other things that that brought you hope or or things to to call out? Um, you know, I probably, you know, so, so many things. I mean, it's, it's moving just beyond, you know, just that one, one verse in chapter six that we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just been really, really rich getting to know. There's a lot more there than I thought was there. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my, I, you know, it just incidentally, we have the same name. Um, my dad has nicknamed me my entire life, minor prophet. He just calls me that. <laughs> Um, so it's like it's a minor prophet, but it's like you know, again, it's just the length of the book. It's not like actually right. you know, the, the the depth of the the content. Um, so you know, there's there's a lot there. It's it's definitely a blessing to read and study it, and it's not just a doom and gloom um, book of prophecy. It's it's there's a lot of hope. But one one thing that you know came up in the daily offices a couple weeks ago in morning prayer really stuck with me. Um, this prayer from January 1st, I think it was from evening prayer. Um, and I'll, I'll just read it. It was, it was, this was really powerful about, um, you know, as I'd said, just thinking about, you know, God's silence mm-hmm. and how scary it is when God is silent. Yeah. Um, in that like, Oh, you're not even judging me now. Like now there's nothing that means something mm-hmm. really bad to be. He's not even getting warnings anymore. Sure. Um, and so this, this prayer I found very powerful. Living God, defend us from the idols which our hearts enthrone, that we may not go down into silence, but be raised to our heaven of heavens in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hmm. Yeah. That well, I mean, that can preach too. <laughs> that'll preach too. That that feels like better than any conclusion that I would put together. So yeah, I think yeah, we'll end, we'll end with that collect. Thanks everybody for for listening and yeah, um, thank you. Thanks, Micah, for for sharing from that minor prophet. Your, yeah, thanks for having your me. namesake.